Good morning. It is Thursday, December 1st. It is six minutes after nine. His name is Rob Kendall. My name is Casey Daniels. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. And we start off talking about the averted rail strike. The U.S. House moved to head off the nationwide rail strike, passing a bill that would bind companies and workers to a proposed settlement. It was reached in September, but then it was rejected. And now they have passed it by a vote of 290 to 137. It now heads to the Senate. And if it's approved there, it should be signed by President Biden, who urged the Senate to act swiftly. Okay, so if you're a union guy, right? Like, mm-hmm. you're all in on the Democrat Party, and the Democrats are the party of the working man, and they're the party of the unions, and the Republicans hate you, and they want to take your jobs and your health care, and the Democrats are only holding thing holding your union together, and we'll always be there for you. And then, conveniently, right after the midterms, mm. the Democrat Party in the House of Representatives collectively bands together and overwhelmingly votes to totally stick it to the union and tells them to get back to work. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if rail service were to be halted in this country, it would cost $2 billion per day. Per day. So I'm kind of on the side of the rail workers on this one because those rail companies are cashing in billions of dollars of profit Wait, 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 wait. You, so you think they you, want you, wait, seven wait, no, days? No, 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 seven no, no. days. No, no, no. Time, time out, time out. I want to make sure I understood what you said properly because you're a very brilliant person, and I, I can't believe I said you believe that a select group of people should, despite getting twenty-four to forty percent raises, which is what many of these people got, be able to shut down interstate commerce and make it so that you can't get essential goods and services. No, I, I, I don't think that they should be able to do that. But, but you just said you're on their but, side. But it's seven days. I, I'm talking about. Okay, yeah, they're holding the whole country hostage if they don't get their way then. Correct. That's what you're saying. Right, right. So, I, but, but I don't want that to happen. Well, then you can't be on their side because that's what, they're, <laughs> that's what they're doing. What they are doing here is they are saying, we believe we have absolute puppets in the White House and in, and in the running this country mm-hmm. who will do whatever we say because we are their base. We are the door knockers. We are in places like Nevada. We got these Senate members reelected. And as such, we believe we can strong arm these people into doing whatever we want. Now, the reality is, and this is what's important, we always talk about how for these people who go, oh, Rob never said anything bad about the Democrats. Okay, here we go. Get ready. Because the same thing that is going on, when we, the things we complain about here in Indiana are the things that are going on there in which the politicians, whether you're Democrat, Republican, whatever, are not your friend. They don't like you. They are users and manipulators. So the same way Republicans in Indiana, most elected Republicans in Indiana, loathe conservatives and don't care about them at all and actually despise them and make fun of them and think you're a joke and a loser and a goof and they just use you for your vote and your activism is the same way the Democrats view the unions. They don't actually like you. They don't actually respect you. They don't actually support you. They don't actually want you to have a better life. They want you to continue to believe that they are the only access you have to a better life. And as such, 
you must support them or you're, you will end up in a gutter somewhere. Okay, so Biden said, without action this week, disruptions to our auto supply chains, our ability to move food to tables, and our ability to remove hazardous waste from gasoline refineries will begin. So he's trying to head that off, well, right? They had, they, and they had two years, right? They act like this is something that just came upon them. They've been negotiating this for two years. They are getting massive raises as a part of this. Right, okay, so they approved the raise, and the sticking point was the extra seven sick days. Right, and look, get to work, okay? You should not be able to shut down society based on the idea of knowing that if I don't get whatever I want, I can shut down society. That's not how this operates. The problem is they believed they could do this Mm -hmm. because the Democrats are run by a bunch of lunatics who are completely, give these people the impression that they are completely beholden to them. Everyone is to blame here. The people who... Can you imagine, Casey, if they came to you and said, here's a 25% year-over-year pay increase. Mm -hmm. Woohoo! I'm not going to tell you the limit on things you could do to me for a year-over-year 25% (laughs) pay increase. I certainly can tell you what I would not be doing is complaining about how, many, another, uh, about how many sick days they get. You want more sick days, right. So you'd be, okay, I'll take the money. And this, Good. Is, the, this is the problem with unions is they never stop. It's, uh, the, the idea of, you know, well, well, we stand up for workers' rights. We stand up for workers' this and that. Okay, great. You are not standing up for workers' rights at this point. You are being a greedy little piggy with your nose <laughs> in the trough. And they are doing this because Joe Biden and the Democrats have led them to believe that, it, that, that it, they can. It is okay to be a greedy little piggy with your nose at the trough. <laughs> and Joe Biden and the Democrats are showing these union people who they really are, that when push comes to shove, the only thing they care about is themselves and are telling them to get back to work. It is 12 minutes after nine. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. And the little piggy reference Somebody, is making me. Somebody's going to get really mad. I'm going to get a whole bunch of... But it is, right? It is a grotesque level of gorging, right? It is a grotesque level of gorging. Uh... I, can, I think I can safely say that no one in this room got a 25% pay increase from year one to year two, right? <laughs> I mean, I know you're new. Kevin's kind of fully, not just has kind of become full-time. I guarantee you, nobody in this radio station got a 25% year-over-year pay increase because that just doesn't happen in most cases. And the idea that you got it mm-hmm. and a bunch of other benefits. It wasn't like it was just the pay increase. Right, there was other stuff as well. And they just, it's, it's this is the point. It's never enough. It's never going to be enough. And they are emboldened because you have a bunch of Democrats who lie to them year in and year out about what it will mean if they get elected. Okay, so Elon Musk has confirmed that Twitter has interfered with elections. This was in response to a report about uh, Twitter's move for free speech under Musk. He said the obvious reality, as longtime users know, is that Twitter has failed in trust and safety for a very long time and has interfered in elections. Twitter 2.0 will be far more effective, transparent, and even-handed. Okay, so... What I, I want to, we have some audio of example A of what he's talking about here because he didn't go into a lot of detail. But yesterday, the former, what was this guy? The former ex safety chief, trust of Twitter. and safety guy. Right, right, right. So this, uh, the former 
ex-head of trust, safety, security, <laughs> Yoel Roth is the guy's name, mm-hmm. who was basically the guy who was largely in charge of what are we going to allow as a company, as a collective. Was he responsible for the interpretation of every post? No. But for major things and the general way in which Twitter would allow A, B, or C to be posted, this guy was, you know, the the head guy. Mm-hmm. And so we have audio. He came out yesterday and he finally admitted two years later mm-hmm. that censoring the Hunter Biden laptop story was a mistake. Ultimately for me, uh, it didn't reach a place where I was comfortable removing this content from Twitter, but it set off every single one of my finely tuned APT28 hack and leak campaign alarm right, So it looked possibly probably. It, everything about it looked you like a hack not, and leak and smelled like a hack and leak. You did not want to do that. Leak. But it didn't get there for me. There were lots of reasons why the entire industry was on alert and was nervous. But a mistake. And again, for me, even with all of those factors, it didn't get there for me. But so it was a mistake. In my opinion, yes. Okay, so Twitter deliberately prevented users from sharing links to different newspaper articles that were about Hunter Biden's private life and the laptop from hell. And many people have come out and said, had they known about that story, they would have voted differently in the 2020 election. So here's the question. If the FBI comes knocking at your door and says, hey, this is Russian information, disinformation. We need you to be on the lookout for this. Aren't you going to be a little nervous? I mean, if the FBI comes storming in, don't you think, oh, they must know what they're talking about, right? Well, but it's not only that. It's they want, they're all on the same team, right? I mean, the, the Democrats, the mainstream national media, big tech, and these nameless, faceless bureaucrats are all working in cahoots with each other. They, they they're going to go along with it because they want to do it anyway. They're looking for the crutch of, well, the federal government came told to us. us to, told we, us, too. We were told to do this. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And, and so when... When you when you hear somebody like that and you've seen multiple, you know what was it? CBS. We've now determined the Hunter Biden laptop was real. <laughs> it is clear that these people are all working together to manipulate the outcomes of the elections. It's not that this is news to us who've been paying attention. It's it, they're saying it out loud, but they're conveniently saying it out loud not only after one election mm-hmm. but after two. Mm-hmm. You notice he wasn't sprinting out in July of this past year to go. Yeah, we. We've we made a, a mistake. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's only after pressure and after all this news is coming out and after Elon Musk is saying he's going to release the Twitter files right. that now he's he's fessing up. That's what you're saying, huh? Okay, it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. And uh, coming up, we're going to hear about a beagle named Roger. It's 93 WIBC. Tell me lies, tell me sweet little Treasury Office of Foreign Assets Control issued a new general license authorizing Chevron to resume limited natural resource extraction operations in Venezuela. So the Biden administration is preferencing the Venezuelan oil sector to our domestic sector because apparently they have some really crazy technology that doesn't hurt the climate in Venezuela <laughs> like it does here in the United States. We go back to the last segment. It's more hypocrisy, right? Like, I mean, again, for all these years, the Biden, the Democrats, the unions, hey, knock on those doors. Hey, put the signs out. Hey, 
you know, this, that, we're with you. You know, we're your only friend. The Republicans want to see you go under. We'll always be with you till the end. And then, hey, you guys better get back to work. Let's go. You know, because they ultimately politicians only care about themselves and the, and and they do not actually worry about you. They'll lie to you. They'll tell you whatever they have to say to secure your vote. But in the case of the climate, these people, just like the unions, mm -hmm. are being used as well. You just made a great point. We talked about this yesterday. So if you're actually concerned about the climate, we all live on this earth together, right? Mm -hmm. So the argument I guess Biden is making is, because he said no more drilling in America, no no more drilling. He was very adamant about you that. You just said that within the past two weeks. So I guess drilling in America harms the earth, mm -hmm. but the drilling in Venezuela doesn't harm the earth. <laughs> of course, that's ludicrous mm -hmm. and utterly ridiculous, but- because of the dumbed-down populace that we have, thanks to our very fabulous public education system and the deliberate acts that they have make, made to dumb down and indoctrinate people, most people don't have the critical thinking skills to think through what the point you just raised. Okay, so what we're saying then is that Biden is willing to buy oil from a brutal socialist regime in Venezuela as opposed to creating jobs and unleashing energy, our energy. And Senator John Kennedy had a real creative and, and down-homey way of commenting on Biden's energy policy. Ainsley, I used to have a... Um, <clears throat> I used to have a... Um, a beagle named Roger and Roger was a rascal about every two weeks Roger would run off he'd always come back but about half the time he'd come back dragging uh, roadkill that he would hide under my back porch uh, President Biden's energy policy looks like something Roger used to keep under my back porch <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, Biden's energy advisor was asked, you know, Biden keeps saying uh, no more drilling. Well, when exactly, when exactly, what's the date, what's the goal to completely get rid of oil? What, what does he mean we're going to end drilling? When? Well, eventually we are, we're going to be phasing out uh, the use what of oil. Eventually? And that's just, so what's eventually? Because you're not you, going to want to invest any money in, in doing this if it's two or three years from now, or even five years almost. So I don't think we're talking about two, three years. We're talking about a longer than that. And as you know well, the production in the United States, onshore production in the United States is short cycle, relatively short cycle production. There can be investments and recovery of those investments happens at a much uh, shorter cycle than offshore. Did you get the answer? No. No? No. There wasn't a date. No. I didn't hear a, a month and a date, anything like that. No, because there, there's never an answer or a date because they know the reality is that this country would completely fall apart if it weren't for what they, you know, what they deem the, the you know, dirty fuels, you know, the oil, the, the coal. Like this country would completely fall apart. And they know this. And this is, again, just like with the unions, they spin this lie to these green lunatics who are too dense to be able to think for themselves and realize they're being lied to right to their face like whatever your view on the topic is even if you're the most green leftist radical out there wouldn't you be just utterly insulted 
that you're being just blatantly lied to right to your face? The answer for most people would be absolutely yes. But with these people, they're such believers in the fetish. They're so wed to the ideology that simply lying to them, it's like it's like a woman or a, or a man or whatever you are. You're, you're, it's 2022, let me say this correctly. It's like your significant other, Casey, blatantly lying to your face about cheating on you. Like, you know it's going on. You absolutely know it's happening, but you don't want to really take the next step to prove it to yourself because that way you can willfully lie to yourself and go, Sally's a great person. Mm -hmm. Joey's a great person. That's who these green people are. They are so wed to the ideology. They are so obsessed with the green fetish that even though they're being lied to right to their face repeatedly by these people who are lying right to the right to your face for their own self-betterment and enrichment, they just go, that's fine. Yeah. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. And coming up next, Abdul is going to join us. And, uh, well, we're going to talk about Mike Braun running for governor. That's on the way from 93 WIBC. Show. I'm Rob Casey's here. Oh, look who it is. It must be Thursday. He's an author. He's a broadcaster. He's a provocateur. The one and only Abdul Akib Shabazz. How are you, How are you, my friend? I picked up some interesting uh, information the other day oh. that I got to uh, do some follow-up on, but it's going to be tricky to to actually get it. Uh, I found out that uh, Tad Rakita has been doing interviews in his office lately, and as part of the interview process, he's making people sign non-disclosure. No agreements. way. That's that's what I heard when I was no in the No way. <laughs> yes. What do you mean? I thought the purpose of an interview was to disclose things to people. Uh, but no, he's making them sign non-disclosure agreements that they can't talk about the interview. I'm not, what? I'm, not, I'm well, not making this up. I found it out yesterday, so I got to do some follow up. Uh, he's weekend. hiring a director of communications. Yes, he is. Among other, have you applied for that? Uh, no. Oh. <laughs> well, uh, I only worked for one attorney general. That was several years ago, and that that's that's it. All right. So let's talk about the big news. You had reported it back in September. It broke yesterday, and that is that Mike Braun is indeed going to run for governor. Uh, is this this doesn't strike me as a clear the field type of move though? Uh, it doesn't seem like the people who are thinking about getting in, whether it's Doden or or Suzanne Crouch or some others, are going to look at Mike Brown and go, "Well, that's it, I'm out." It's this is not Mitch Daniels here, right? Uh, no. Uh, also, the thing with Mike Brown, you got to remember this too, is that when we he been he been floating the idea of running for governor for a while, even right. before we broke the story back in September. So anyone who was uh, either running or thinking about running had to take Mike Brown into. All right. Into account, and so I think if you if you're in like say an Eric Doden who's who's already declared Suzanne Crouch will be declaring, they factored in uh, Mike Braun and Mike's Mike's or and Mike's financial resources. You and I said back in late 2017, and we were the only people talking about this because it was oh Messer's in, oh Rokita's in. We had said at the start of that U.S. Senate primary when Mike Braun was polling at one or two percent or whatever, we said that guy's going to win because these two guys Rokita and Messer are flawed candidates, and Mike Braun has infinite money, and that businessman outsider thing is going to play and he'll he'll not only win he'll win easily and people laughed at us and we were proven correct and i hate casey can vouch for this i hate mentioning when i'm right but <laughs> i felt like it was germane to this conversation here point is i don't get this vibe this time like i don't think i don't think he gets he can't run as an outsider he can't run as an anti-politician he is going to be a rich guy that's going to have infinite money to blanket the airwaves but i don't think that his infinite money is going to be nearly as effective as it was the last time. Well, the thing is, uh, for Mike Braun, is what Mike has in 2024 
that he didn't have back in 2018 is a record. Yeah. Is 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 is, is an extensive record. Now, yeah. granted, you're a school board, which he was on down in the Jasper area. It's school board. Yeah. It's local. Uh, he was a state rep. Uh, only served a couple terms, but then when you ran for the Senate and you won, you voted on lots of things. Now you've got a record that you got to run on, and now people can go through your record. Well, he voted to right. you know, raise this or raise this fee or do this because as you know, when you got a you got a vast legislative record, you can pull anything right out of context, and as long as you put a little disclaimer, Senate Bill, you know, three fifty seven, sure, well, vote taken March of twenty twenty. You have that sort of thing, so I think I think the money will help. It'll be it'll be a different way the money helps because before the money you use the money to define who you are. Now you got to use the money to sort of de- sort of defend yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, there's an old saying: there ain't no crying in baseball. There's no crying in politics either, right? Like I have permission to blast this guy, this guy being Braun, over voting in 2017 as a state rep for the largest tax increase in Indiana state history. I mean, Mike Braun's you record see, as a as a you state see, but see, but I'll argue with the, with with the state record. I, I, I will argue his state senate record. Is much more important. I'm sorry. Our U.S. Senate record is much more important than a state Senate record. I meant, I meant to mention this uh, on uh, when we did state house happenings this morning. Uh, you got to keep in mind is that you can say, hey, he raised you know the gas tax, highest tax in Indian history, and Brian would say, but you know what? The voters already just, they, the voters chose me. The voters knew that, and they voted for me regardless. So anything I did in the legislature. It's all past. Is that a maneuver that he's going to make? Say it doesn't matter what I did. I've already been elected after that. No, but no, Screw but no, you. no, no. What, but what I can, what you can argue is the voters knew my record, and they voted for me still. So what? Do you, so what are you? What the hell are you talking about, Rob Kendall? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but I, you're lo- saying he's not a shoe in though. This isn't a guarantee that he'll win. Oh no, 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 no. Not not at all. What I'm saying is that he has to use his resources now to defend his record in the U.S. Senate as opposed to sort of painting a picture. So here's who I am, and here's what I'll do for you. Is that because he cannot run as an outsider anymore? I mean, he, no. clear, he clearly wants to be based on the fact that he keeps using his own wealth, which is fine to basically buy public offices, and he didn't even complete a term of the office he just ran for and told us he wanted. He doesn't get to say I'm an outsider or I hate politics or politicians or whatever anymore. Well, well he'll get to complete his term because he'll still be a senator until Yeah, 20- yeah, but he's going to be let's face it, it's like summer school, right? Or it's like the, the end of your <laughs> senior year. There ain't, there ain't going to be no effort going on over there. Hey, I was valedictorian in summer school, so. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, but he doesn't get to say that anymore. You, want, you clearly, Mike Braun, wants to be a politician. He wants to be in politics. He wants to hang around with these people because he keeps spending vast amounts of his own money to be able to do it well i'd much rather him spend his own money than get all packed up and sure i don't don't have a problem with it but you don't get to say but i just i loathe being around these people i just it's the last thing i want to do yeah but but i will say this about mike and i've noticed this from the conversations we had since he's been in the u.s senate is that he's been miserable he doesn't like it because nothing gets done and he's always been more of sort of the executive uh branch as opposed to the legislative branch so that I think that's also part of the reason too why he's running for governor. I think he can do more for it's Indiana's governor. Yeah, yeah, much better fit, like Casey just said, as opposed to just being one out of a hundred people who think they could be president someday. Uh, it is uh, Abdul is with us. Uh, it's Kendall and Casey show. We're talking about the. Now you said it's not dominoes; it's Jenga. Yeah. It's political change that's <laughs> taking place. Okay, so let's talk about the Senate now. Obviously, Braun opens up a Senate seat now, and I told Casey this yesterday. I am more excited about the Senate primary than the governor's primary because I think it's going to be banks and sparks. And when you got people giving up safe congressional seats uh, to run for a Senate seat, one person's going to be one of the most 100 powerful people in our government. The other person's going to be completely forgotten about. A person will do just about anything if those are the stakes on the line. Let's go! I'm excited for it. <laughs> what say you? 
Uh, that's one way to look at it. Uh, first of all, uh, yeah, like I said, it's, it's, it's political Jenga is what it is. It's moving the little bricks and trying not to have the whole house of cards come falling down. Uh, I do think uh, Jim Banks, Victoria Sparks are both uh, competent candidates. So they'll both, I think they'll both do a decent job as a, as a U.S. senator. Uh, but they also got to keep in mind, too, we don't know who else may be running this. Trey Hollingsworth, who still may uh, get in. I spoke to Trey uh, yesterday, believe it or not. And so they're like, hey, are you running for governor? Are you a city? It's like, I'm still trying to figure out what's going on, how can I best serve Hoosiers, that sort of yeah. thing. I'll let you know. Mm-hmm. It's all, it's all, we've been just saying how's happening. Mm-hmm. When they're running, it's always, how can I best serve Hoosiers mm-hmm. when they're being served themselves as the, the end result <laughs> of all of it? Now, look, Hollingsworth is... He voted for that January 6th committee. He was pretty good other than that. I think that's going to be a gigantic hurdle for him to hop over. But I think Hollingsworth running for Senate is interesting because Banks is from the northeast. Sparks is the central part of the state. Hollingsworth would be the southern part of the state. So he really would have a very viable path to be a U.S. senator, especially when you consider all the money at his disposal. Not just see Larry Bouchon and Jim Baird to run. <laughs> we got the full Oh, trifecta. sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, and... By the way, Abdul is with us here. We're talking about all the uh, different things happening in Indiana politics and government. Uh, what is the case? So let's uh, let's take uh, the wonderful and talented Casey here. Because you and I, we're uh, total hacks and insiders, and uh, we hold petty grudges, and we're going to vote for our own reasons. Mike Braun, Suzanne Crouch, Eric Doden running for governor. They see Casey, who they know is going to vote, but Casey is a good and decent person. Thus, she's open to picking the best person. What is? I their... want to vet my candidates. Yeah. What is the <laughs> What is the pitch to like? How do you stand yeah. out? What's the message in, in, a, in a in a gubernatorial primary? Uh, the message is you're going to continue the good work that Indiana's done. I think I th- actually what I think the next uh, big issue in the gubernatorial race is going to be. I think it's going to be workforce development. I really do. I think it's going to be education, workforce development, because Indiana is we're we're attracting all these new high tech, high wage paying jobs. But we don't have the people to fill them, and so for Indiana to do well, not just you know next year or the following year or 10, 15 years down the road, it's good. workforce development is going to have to be the big, the big, the big, the big statewide issue. Now, now, granted, that's today, because we don't know what the we have no idea what the future is going to going to hold. Things could change by yeah. the time the election rolls around. Exactly. A day in politics of a lifetime. Uh, mm-hmm. You said something on Statehouse Happenings, and it is rare, because you know I hate to cede any ground to you, <laughs> but you said something that I thought was brilliant, and it had not dawned on me until you said it, and once you said it, I said, yeah, that's absolutely right. Because yesterday we had talked about, I said, Suzanne Crouch has, I think, almost zero chance of winning the conservatives because she was... The right-hand person to Holcomb, she said absolutely nothing as Holcomb has done all the things that have made conservatives so mad that they were even willing to pick Diego Morales. And you said, doesn't matter. That's not who she's going for because if she gets the Holcomb people and there's three, four, five people running, they split the rest of the vote, she can win that primary with 35%. She doesn't even need the conservatives. And I thought, I never thought about that until just now. It's it's sort of like like Donald Trump in reverse. Donald Trump has like 30 40% of the Republican electorate, give or take. And so... That's his floor, but it's also his ceiling. And so the more people were in the race, they'll just split up the anti-Trump, mm-hmm. anti-Trump vote. Suzanne Crouch is just the opposite. Eric Holcomb is about, I say, he's about 40, 45% of the, Republican elect, of the Republican electorate. And so assuming that Suzanne Crouch has that as well, she doesn't, because remember, in a primary, you don't, need a, you don't need a majority, you just need a plurality yeah. to win. So and, you're saying she doesn't need to distance herself from him? I don't, I don't I don't see why. I don't see why she should. But obviously, you got to do things a little bit differently than the mm-hmm. previous person did. That that makes sense. But if she can keep her 40 percent and more people get in the race for governor, then that just 
I, I never thought about that until you said it, and that's and, why you're here. And and you'll know and you'll know who the front runner is because you'll see where the attack is. Ah, uh, yeah. Are you are you working this weekend? Yeah, I feel like you have not worked since the Reagan administration. Around here. <laughs> Actually, I did work last weekend. Are you, are you doing? Is there a show? What do you have? Uh, there's a show this weekend. There's no show next week and the following week because we got Christmas and the uh, WIBC radio thing. Okay, so what what are you? What is on your show one to three this weekend here on WIBC? Uh, my conversation with the governor, your favorite guy. Oh, did we, you tell him I said hello? We, we spoke on Thanksgiving Day. So we play that interview. Also, I'm sorry. Uh, also, going to talk to a good friend, Andy Downs, uh-huh. of the Mike Downs Center for Indiana Politics. Also, uh, Kelly Mitchell, uh, outgoing state treasurer. She and I had a really good conversation uh-huh. yesterday. So we'll so we'll chat. And also, she has something very interesting about this ESG investing yeah. thing that Rakeem's been making a big deal about, which he's totally wrong on, by the way. Interesting. So I'll be happy to play that. As, the as one well. and only Abdullah Gibbs Shabazz. Thank you, my friend. Hey, thank you. 93 WIBC. It's the Kendall and Casey Show. This week hailed easing prices for gasoline, clothes, and appliances as good news for the holiday season. But he did say it would take time for inflation to return to normal levels. Wait, what? Yeah, good news, Rob. No, no, wait. What? You just the last thing you just said. What'd you say? Yeah, it's going to take time for inflation to return to normal levels. No, 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 no. You must be mistaken. And mm-hmm. I'm going to give you a chance to correct yourself because we have the audio here. Mm-hmm. He, I. I guarantee you he did not say that because he told me over a year ago (laughs) that inflation was transitory. Right. He did say it was transitory. It was also Russia's fault. It's it's everybody's problem, but... He's saying that it's just going to take time Wait, wait. Mm -hmm. How could it it be transitory Mm -hmm. and take time mm-hmm. because wouldn't a year and a half be like time it's taken time <laughs> yes uh no i you have to let's play this audio here you have to have misunderstood what he said it's going to take time to get inflation back to normal okay. levels as we keep the job market resilient mm-hmm. and we could see setbacks along oh. the way well mm-hmm. well that's just i stand corrected yeah we're going to see setbacks along the way. Okay. So he was speaking in Bay City, Michigan. He was at a semiconductor facility and he said he is laser focused oh, on battling inflation. Sure, yeah. He's laser focused. Because no, nothing says laser focused on battling inflation like one expansion or creation of gigantic government programs and services after another, most of it done by printing money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nothing, nothing says I'm laser focused. Yes. Uh, he said inflation of the grocery stores is beginning to slow. I haven't seen that. Have you seen that? Uh, no. No, not based on the price of Thanksgiving dinner we had recently. Uh, he also said that prices for things like clothes, televisions, and appliances are going down, and this is all good news I, for the I, holiday season. I would like to say one thing, though, about inflation. Oh, yeah? And I would like to give credit to the Brownsburg Dairy Queen, because they have kept their three chicken finger lunch special <laughs> at a reasonable price of seven dollars mm-hmm. uh for the past several months now it was once five dollars it rapidly ascended to seven dollars mm-hmm. and i was like i am maxed out on what i'm willing to pay for the lunch special at the dairy queen but over the past several months they have done their job of holding the line on keeping that at seven dollars they're taking their cue from the hot dog at costco of course Keep, keeping the price well and then of course you got to tack on the nine percent tax because i got to pay for lucas oil stadium mm-hmm. and then don't forget they raise the sales tax to pay for the teachers when they lied to you about cutting your property tax so i mean th- that's not dairy queen's fault i'm that i'm not trying to lump them into that so it's 763 when i'm when i'm all in but and that's just for you that's one person yeah that's for me 
That's, that's pretty ex- good, right? I don't know. Do you that's do you you think seven dollars for a lunch is not very good? I think that's a little pricey. Really? Yeah. Where yeah, do you? I, I got the uh, chicken tender meal a couple of months ago at the Dairy Queen. Yeah, it's I did, great. I think I got like two and a half tenders. Uh, did they did they underserve you? Yeah, I was underserved. <laughs> no, it you, was have expensive. You, have you never heard of this? Dairy Queen has this, and I think it's. I'm going to ask you. We're not at the Brownsburg Dairy Queen, so this must be like no, a this universal was, this was Dairy Queen thing. Dairy Queen has a lunch, which is three chicken tenders, a fry, mm-hmm. a drink, and Did you get a blizzard. A, well, here's your thing: you can get a Sunday mm-hmm. in the meal, or you can up you can upcharge, and they'll give you a blizzard. Mm-hmm. And the nice thing about Dairy Queen is they will hold your ice cream order until after you're done eating your regular food, so it does not melt. So you can come back up and get your ice cream. Well, that's nice. You're eating in the dining room then. Oh yeah, very good. Yeah, this is that's my that. That meal is like my 30 minutes of peace and quiet every day where I have it to myself because it's a little gym and now everybody will be flooding the Brownsburg Dairy Queen today. But Do, but, they, uh, do they recognize you at the Brownsburg Dairy Queen? No, that's why I can go in there somewhat anonymous, you know, and I, I don't get hounded for autographs or, you know, life advice. Or <laughs> autographs. By the way, here's a question for you, Casey. I have a, uh, uh, just, uh, in my, Hammer and I will do a game called Am I a Horrible Person? Mm-hmm. So I was sitting in the Brownsburg Dairy Queen yesterday. <laughs> And these two guys enjoying I was, your lunch. I was special. the o- I was the only person there. I was mm-hmm. wrapping up, mm-hmm. and these two guys mm-hmm. sit down and start having a conversation with each other. They're sitting like of all the booths, they're sitting at the one right next to me. They could yeah. have sat anywhere. Yeah. And I just started listening in on their conversation. <laughs> sure. Is is that bad etiquette? Am I allowed to do that? Well, are, did you, you, are you commenting? No, on I, didn't, yeah. I didn't say anything. I just I just basically eavesdropped just on their conversation. It. No, I used to do that as well. Really? Yeah. Kevin? Yeah. You ever I, done that? I do that all the time. Okay, cool. Because I was like, I feel like I'm voyeuristic or something, but it's like you're in a public place. Mm-hmm. Of all these places, you chose to sit right next to me. Hey, if they're speaking at a level that's audible to you. It's kind of a party foul on their end, isn't it's it? Free, it's free game for you to listen. Well, what were they talking about? Well, it was a bevy of things, and then I tuned it out because it wasn't very interesting. I was hoping like somebody was going to... I think it was... I thought maybe it was a job interview because mm-hmm. the one guy was asking a lot of questions, and then, I don't know, they went on for about five minutes. I was like, I got things to do. But I was <laughs> So it wasn't it wasn't life changing. No, it wasn't like they didn't know where the Klopman Diamond was, or you know, <laughs> the code to get into Fort Knox, or you know, anything like that. But it just I wondered as I was sitting there listening. I said, "Am I breaking some sort of code or rules?" But then I thought they're actually ones breaking the codes and rules mm-hmm. because in an empty restaurant mm-hmm. where you could sit wherever you want, they sat right. Why next- would you sit right next to the one <laughs> guy minding his own business? <laughs> well, that $7 meal that you had at Dairy Queen could be affecting your overall household spending, which according to Moody's, because of inflation, the average American household spending an extra $433 per month. That's unbelievable. Yeah. $443 a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, totaling over $5,000 a year. Consumer prices jumped 7.7% since October. And by the way, that's the same amount as your property taxes. Yeah! Increase, huh? How about that? It is 9.55. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.